All right, welcome to Victory Notes. It actually happened. The inaugural episode is finally in the making. My name is Casey Esser. I'm the owner of Essers of Los Angeles, a personal training studio based in Los Col- Angeles, Lo- <laughs> California. Well, I was be even more specific, Culver City. You can get specific and go Will Culver City. Will Stand up. Yeah. And I'd like to introduce our other host, Sanam. Dam says, I want to. Okay, can our hosts get to know each other on this podcast? Hey. Is it Dam says? Dam says. Dam says. This is Dam-sus. really interesting. Yeah. Dam says, you, you didn't know that either. That's my last name, KCS. Oh, Supermanian. <laughs> we know that. And you know this, okay? Hey, everyone. I'm Sanam. I'm one of the coaches at Essers. So just to give you some background, just because this is the the first episode, just so you know what Essers is and kind of how the podcast came about. So the first thing to know is that Essers is a semi-private training facility, meaning four clients or athletes, as we call them, can train in the space at one time. They also have to train three times a week. They also have to apply to train. So they have to submit a form beforehand that states their goals, how committed they are, and that then opens the door for us to have a larger conversation on if we can actually help them. So over the past seven years, the facility opened in June of 2015, what's happened is a very special community of people has developed. And Sanam and I were joking the other month that the gym should basically be a reality show. And then we came to the idea of, well, what we can do is a podcast because everyone that trains there is so fascinating. And they also are people that, you know, when they interact and they meet each other, these are people that never would have met outside of the facility. So all these different paths are crossing and all these relationships are forming that you know never would have happened without the training. And so we hear these different side conversations, these offhand comments of people's lives and we're like, wait, we need to find out more about these people and we need to highlight them. And no other gym has done that, no other fitness space that I know of has done that. And we're excited to find out what makes each of the athletes at the facility who they are like basically what made them who they are today and we're excited to share those stories with you and and make it a very entertaining and fun time and we have our first guest the honorable rupa bala supermanian (laughs) i love it i love it i hope there was a series of like massive applause that came in I heard to it. enter to, uh, me entering into this conversation. So I, I heard that it. happened in uh, post production. I hope that's going to happen in post production. Well, I, I could barely get into the building with the paparazzi. <laughs> it's so true. I, I encounter that a lot. It happens a lot to me. I'm glad you named it. So few people name it, but it's a real issue. Yeah. So we we've established the name. Yeah. Rupa, where were you born? Queens, New York. Yeah. Queens. The gritty streets of Queens. This is why I can bitch slap anyone at the gym, but I don't. I make a conscious choice not to. 
Thank you. So that's a, that's a real part of my contribution to the community. How long were you in Queens? It's a short stint. Um, I think it, it was enough to give me some sort of the DNA of what it is to be street smarts. Okay. Uh, but I think I once I moved to LA, California, Southern California at that, I think you learn how to really enjoy the finer things in life. So that comp the combination of the street, the grit and the street smarts and really knowing how to enjoy, um, you know, uh, sun for 365 days a year, that sort of cushy lifestyle, the, those two coming together really create Rupa. Yeah. No, I get it. I'm from Indiana. I'm from the streets. <laughs> so Is I Indiana hear you the loud streets? and clear. Tell me about Indiana and, and how that makes well, up. Well, so I'm from San Diego. <laughs> you That's guys don't true... know the streets until you've been to <laughs> you San Diego. I was going to say. San Diego. I think that's street living, really. So what actually brought you out here, though? Was it? I mean, parents that were uh, first coming to this country. And I think most people that come from India go to the East Coast. I think that's very common. And so my parents were in uh, New York, very thankfully. And I'm very thankful that they left to leave to the East, the West Coast because I didn't end up becoming a doctor or a lawyer or an eye banker or all the things that you that is synonymous with being Indian in New York. <laughs> eye banker? Oh, investment banker. Investment. Oh case. my oh, okay. gosh. I'm sorry. I'm speaking I'm the like, lingo. I'm speaking on. the Indian lingo. I was like, is that sorry, a human trafficking thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's actually um, what most people should be in jail for. Uh, that okay? Uh, am I getting too deep? Uh, is this like a, is this no, like throw, political? Throw am it I out there. Offending other people at the gym that who might be a in the everyone financial that sector? will be on this show will have their own POV. Okay, okay, great. Okay, so let me. We're open to it. But no, I I'm very lucky that I got uh, that my parents decided that they were gonna manifest destiny and come to the West Coast and experience what living in California was going to be for their kids. And that opened up a whole opportunity for us. Like, quite honestly, like, I feel like I was given a choice in a way that a lot of Indian kids don't feel choice. It's funny, like Hassan Minaj is doing a new, um, yes. uh, he has a new special out and he talks about like first generation kids never having choice, but the, the kids he's having are gonna have like choice of who to marry, choice of what to do in their life, choice. And like those, I, it, for, it made me realize, oh, I don't, I never really had choice, even though I got lucky. And I had parents that were working full time, so they didn't pay a lot of attention to what I was doing and what I was interested in. And that like lack of interest actually gave me freedom. <laughs> it's, it works different with immigrant kids like if you don't have parents that pay too much attention to you you actually get the ability to like explore what you're interested in life and what gets you going and be creative and it's the anti-tiger mom which we actually like Mm. found language for later in life which is like what are asian kids so why are they so predestined to succeed it's this like sort of tiger parent mentality and i think that ultimately when you have parents that actually have to like build a li a middle class life and come into this country like they don't have the luxury of being tiger parents they just have to hope that they are guilting their kids into the right way of living their life <laughs> it did it happened to work for me so there you go absolutely it yeah. did 
holy immigrant story. Yeah. I love that. I think a lot of people in the gym have that story. Agreed. So you were in Queens, then you were in California. What came next? Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. UCSB. So I applied to... You partied hard. You know, I was was a kid that was so feared by uh, failure, which is a lot of immigrant kids' experiences, that you just sort of succeed under the radar. And so I succeeded under the radar, but I was so under the radar that I applied... I had all the grades and I had the scores, but I applied to like five schools because, you know, immigrant kids don't go see campuses. Like we don't get like parents that tell you like, oh, like this is the schools you should apply to. And then let's go visit all these campuses and let's learn about it. So I just kind of did this in the dark. And then I got, I got rejected from every fucking school. Wow. Except Santa Barbara, which was my safety, UCSB. What, what a, do you think led to the rejection grades? I think, I honestly thought that I filled out my like applications wrong and my teachers did too and they like actually appealed for me like across all the schools they wrote letters of uh of appeal uh for on my behalf and um what does that say about you i mean people were like this doesn't make sense teachers to write letters about you well i'm gonna have decisions reversed Yeah. I loved my te- I loved my teachers. I loved school, but I will say that like uh, it was it's the bill it's the first billboard in my life, and I I, I sort of categorized my life by billboards. And the first billboard was, oh, this is the school you're going to because you're you don't have any other choice. And if you want to go to college, and every fucking Indian kid is like, if I don't at least make it to college, I have failed my parents. I'm going to college. Um, it's ironic. Today, if that happened to me, I would take uh, a year off and I would go in the Peace Corps or something. Like I would do something of service and I think that would actually have been really amazing. But I went to Santa Barbara and it was the fucking party school of party schools. And uh, it was also a great education and you live on the beach and all these things that you would never get to experience at 18 happens um, all at once. Did you have any serious boyfriends in college? I had, no, I was a, I mean, (laughs) you said I I had, dot, 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 no. You know, uh, for me, college was, uh, I came home a lot, but I built, because I lived, you know, an hour and 20 minutes from school. Uh, I also had a real, like, life job. I was a merchandiser for Liz Claiborne in college. And Whoa, throwback. I was... <laughs> totally throwback. You, What that means is you go from mall to mall, and you get sent a bunch of product, and you set up the product at these stores. And at 1819, this big brand thought that I was the person to do that. I would love that. I love malls. Yeah, malls, it's an interesting experience of just like learning what it is to actually be accountable to a company and do that. But I did not love malls like you, Casey. I am not a mall person. It was a means to an end, which was Mm. I worked all the malls from Santa Barbara to my house. So ultimately I go home every like every other week, which was not a good thing. But it is a very much like I was a home person. growing. I'm a cancer. I'm a cancer, so. And wouldn't I, you say that's an Indian thing too? Yeah, it was an Indian thing. I would say we loved, like, I loved the fact that my parents just loved to watch television, and I loved to watch television. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I got Indian food, and I lived in my house, and my, you know, I, I was, yeah, it was comfort. We were comfort, and that's what undergrad was for me. And, but I ended up um, 
living in Southern California for most of my life. So I am a SoCal kid, even though I'm from Queens, I have to say. That's in my DNA. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you do now? That's a big leap. <laughs> what do I do now? Well, I do something that at um, 42, and this is something that I have done now. I've been in the same industry, and I would say since I was 23. So it's like almost two decades. If you were to ask my parents, they would have no idea how to explain it. Uh, okay. They would know, have no idea how to talk about it. If you would ask uh, my sister, she probably would be able to do a better job, but she wouldn't. And it's, it's this really confusing space of social justice, which I think is a really um, new language for a lot of people who don't, who aren't in it, but only experience it culturally, like through mm. Black Lives Matter or through these like big campaigns. But my work is to uh, bridge what we term as social justice, so fair equity and pay, uh, equity and civil rights in like life choices, uh, you know, uh, freedom of bodily autonomy, all the things that we think about that are we take for granted because we live in California and we live in a state that affords us a lot of those things. Um, it's, it's the people that are working in that space and connecting that to entertainment. So the storytellers in our world. So people can make the connection between gay marriage as, um, as something that feels really uncomfortable and really not something that is normal in your day to day make it more familiar because they're seeing it on portrayed on television or in uh, conversations that are coming alive on podcasts like this one or in yeah. magazines they see this sort of immersive storytelling around this issue that makes it feel less demystified like it's not scary it's actually normal and then they also connect the storytelling to the people that they live next door to or the people that they go to work and they sit and and that storytelling helps connect the dots between this is not a bad thing this is just a part of human evolution we don't know everything from day one so how does culture actually bring people along in these places where we're moving fast right like what it is to be a woman what it is to be a man is not something that uh we would have articulated the same 15 years ago it's so different now and so how do we bring people along in a way that feels like it's not whiplash and culture does that culture brings people along to uh, policy way faster than any other mechanism and so I work at the intersection of policy change and culture and so how do we fund those worlds um, so that we can actually build a lot of the things that you and I take for granted in California across the country you are changing the world. <laughs> I mean, I'm working out, that's for sure. And that makes me feel stronger and better and more mentally fit to take on and deal with the day-to-day um, -day stuff like that my job requires. Well, I find it interesting that you kind of have had the mindset of being in service because you said if you had taken a gap year, you would have gone into the Peace Corps. Yeah. And then you started doing this when you were 23. I know. Which is so ahead of the curve. <laughs> well, I also lived in a space where when I entered into this work, I was working at the wealth side. I wasn't working in the community side. So I was working with people that had a lot of money to actually uh, change the conversation. 
And um, after 17 years working with wealthy people, I have to realize like you get into a bubble. It's like if anybody's worked in entertainment, they know that if they call a, a celebrity, the first gatekeeper they're going to get is uh, an assistant. And it's probably if someone they've worked with for a long time, it's an assistant that's been there for you know, 10, 20. It's been there for a long time. Sure. And that person actually operates like they are the celebrity at this point. They have been so deeply immersed in that personality and that persona and being the sort of the vocal voice, the voice of that person that they take on that personality. And it's not different with wealthy people. They have a whole bunch of gatekeepers. And so you have to deal with a lot of people that have um, that think that they have the wealth and status of the person that they're representing. And I felt very much like after 17 years of working with both fame and wealth, I did not want to fall trap to that. I did not want to believe that like I had a, a different existence that made me less close to the people that I was trying to make lives better. And you get more and more removed from the people you're trying to help when you work in wealth. So I wanted to work more closely to the people that were doing the change work. And so I moved from advising, wealth advising in philanthropy to more of the, how do we create the change work? So. Well, and I think it speaks to the time too. Like back in the day, the wealth would have mattered, I think, so much more. But now, like, someone can make a video on social media for free, put it out there, and have it be like a well, change I mean, agent. Kim Kardashian is a perfect example. I mean, she went on the David Letterman interview show on Netflix and talked about the fact that, like, she did one post for one company and was given a lifetime supply of free hair extensions. And as anybody knows, I'm not one of those people, but like people that live in that way, (laughs) as we've seen your, um, you know, your transformation over the years in your hair. Yeah. We know that you understand extensions. It's a huge topic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, you know, that's millions of dollars for one post. And so that whole transactional world exists. And how does social justice, how does my world engage in that world, but not actually uh, diminish the work that we're doing and the people that we're serving and the people whose voices we're uplifting because celebrity can only go so far. And there is a real transactional nature in social media. You know, Um, everybody is trying to commodify it. And, um, you know, but you also see what's happening in Iran right now. And um, it's the only way for those women to reach out to uh, women in our country and uh, show solidarity so it's a it's a hard space what's your background iranian <laughs> iranian yeah yeah immigrant stand up i know so true okay thank you for explaining what you do speaking of the work that you do well can i ask you this as i explained it does it give you all, the two of you who have known me for four years now, I'm coming up on my fourth year at Essers, um, I just want to show to myself that there's an ability for me to describe what I do, even though my parents can't explain it, that someone can understand it. So did did you understand it? Would you be able to use your own words to re-articulate it in your own way? Have you not heard me on the gym floor hyping you, you up? Like, yes. Ruba does some dope work. Ruba does some dope yes, work. So how would you explain it? Using social media and the current times to leverage what's going on in the world of social justice. I, I'll take that. I'll take that. 
There we go. Yeah. If my parents could get there, I'd be very happy. Well, they'll listen to this? Yeah. They'll be like, that's what she There does. you go. <laughs> there you go. How do you balance work and life? Well, I am... Um, I'm one of those rare breeds. I am a uh, first generation Indian who is 42 and single and with no children. And um, I get to live a life that is very free and very self-directive. Um, there is a reason why people get married young <laughs> and have children young. And um, I think the longer you wait, and this is my personal experience, is that you just realize that you get to like really make choices. And this is like, I guess maybe this is the theme of this podcast, which is like my life has been about me being able to make choices in the confines of what would normally not be a life that would be able to make choices. And so I'm gonna take advantage of that. And so I've made the choice to very clearly live the life that I've built for myself. And part of that, involves um having space for self-care and i know that's become like a real catchphrase but self-care for me has been you know really centering uh my work at essers uh truly like i have before coming to essers i never worked out consistently and if i did it was like you know it was really hard to get me out the door and this is a place I come to with joy because I actually think it's 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 like community first. Mm -hmm. And like I would never associate getting into shape and being healthy and living a longer life with like starting with community. But that's actually what everybody says about aging. It's not even about working out. It is about how you feel in community with people, how you feel seen, how you feel loved, the energy that you give off and that you take in. So that is the first like rite of passage with Essers. And I would say like most people say that, like most people come back because they feel seen, not because they're seeing results right away, which is really the arc of a workout is like, you can't be, you can't like be on the, on the hook for like immediate results. That's like the big farce in, uh, you know, in this sector is that it's gonna happen right away and you're gonna get immediate results. No, it's it's about like building a practice. Practice is really an important part of life. And if you can come back to practice, like even if you fail, uh, you know, a few times, like come back to it. Essers is the practice in your life, so. Well, my best bachelor impression, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the values is do better together. And the, yeah. the slogan for that is, you start with the motivation and you stay for the inspiration, meaning the people that you train with are the ones that keep you in there because you see them be consistent and you don't want to fall off. And people don't think about community in the gym space uh, when they're building that out. N not in the same way. Like you can go to group classes and you can do, yeah. you know, CrossFit in a certain way, but you're all doing the same thing. The unique thing with this is, you have your own goals and that person has their own goals and their journey may be entirely different from yours, but you're in it together. And I think that's what makes it unique. For sure. I felt that for sure. How do you pronounce this? Turmeric. Are you fucking kidding me? It's the thing that keeps you from having inflammation. Say it again. 
turmeric. Okay. So you call it turmeric? No. Yikes! Please. Please don't. I, 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 my God. I might have to kick you out of my, my house. God. My very. But <laughs> I forget where it started. As with all these debates and topics, we realized people said it. Almost everyone that said the word said it differently. Oh, how about my Indian people at Essers? What are they saying? Are you doing an Indian people at Essers round? Well, so I, I, say, I, say tum- I said turmeric. You said turmeric. No, I said turmeric. 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 Some people say turmeric. Yeah, that doesn't feel right. The white version way of saying it. Turmeric? No, that's right. Turmeric. You're saying it right. You say turmeric. You say tur. I say two. Turmeric. <laughs> okay, well maybe I'm having my own, my own come to Jesus about this spice. Turmeric, turmeric. I, I, turmeric is not right. I'm gonna say that. So Susanna, what do you say? Turmeric. Okay. Turmeric. Turmeric. I think there's a gradation of the hardness of the art. Turmeric. I say turmeric. I'm sorry. You say turmeric and I say turmeric. And we are not the same. <laughs> We're close. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. But turmeric is like a very non, uh, not even in the ballpark, not even on the bases. It's in the outfield. Right, right, right. I think we did hear someone say that one day. Yeah. So we were like, okay, we got to start asking. But ask the brown people. Because don't just ask indiscriminately. I believe that I was asking brown people. Okay. And I still heard a variation. <laughs> so I said... To hell with turmeric. it. Let me get clarity. <laughs> My mother would say turmeric. Turmeric. Yeah. Turmeric. You say turmeric? I say turmeric. Turmeric. Okay, but I mean, you know. I still At this love point, I forget now. how I say it. I know. <laughs> it's I'm like confused. caramel, caramel, but caramel. Oh I do God. feel like a part of the podcast should be, uh, what is your like native spice or food? And how do we all bastardize it? And let's Ranch. get the right... Okay, is that white people? <laughs> is that a white person sauce that I'm supposed to say? Have you never had ranch? Of course I have. Uh, I, I think I was... <laughs> ranch. Saffron. Ranch. Saffron. 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 That's, yeah. that's an easy one. Yeah. I think it's just turmeric. How about, do you say cumin? Oh, God. Or, or cumin. Oh, Stop. God. Oh, God. No one can say that with a straight face. I say cumin. 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 <laughs> I'll whisper that in the night. Too. That reminds me when um, she she'll have no problem with me saying this, but one time Mac and I were training Susan Yara, and we were playing Kid Cudi, and it switched oh. to someone else, and she was like, "What happened to Kid Cootie?" <laughs> Dead serious. Dead serious. Oh, Kid that's Cootie. what I was gonna say. Kid Cutie. Kid Cootie. Cutie. Oh, well, you know, I'm 42. I feel like I should extend it a little further. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for clearing that up. You're appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, what was for dinner last night? Mm. I fucking hate you guys for asking me that question. I'm saying that on behalf of all of the Essers community. Or Um, as Casey would say, what was dinner? (laughs) (laughs) In a highly accusatory As he just approaches you out of nowhere on the floor. (laughs) You don't even see him coming. And before you know, he's standing over you. You're on the foam roller. What was dinner? It's, it's like he jumps out of the bushes. It really is. It's that kind of assault. Yeah. Uh, People don't know how good they have I, it now. I had falafel. I had Mediterranean, so I had flat fried chickpeas. Sum sum. What the fuck is that? 
Mediterranean place. It's amazing. No, I have not had Tsum Tsum. Yeah. Tell me more. Oh, offline. it's amazing. This is a shameless Tsum plug for Tsum Tsum. No, do you know what Tsum Tsum is? <laughs> no. You live in Pasadena. Susanna's you live in another state. No? Oh, my God. Susan? Of all Susanna? people that Casey's putting us on to Tsum Tsum. Yeah, what in the world? <laughs> What Man. in the world? Well, there's one in Evansville, Indiana. <laughs> oh, and I'm running. I'm running away. No, but, but their portions Indiana are fat. I've heard Indiana has amazing food, by the way. It has some really Stop. good restaurants. Okay, you're reaching. No. You're reaching. I'm not. I'm not building we a We love to... Chili's. Yes, it's there. <laughs> They've got plenty of ranch. Leave your it at that. You love Applebee's. You love Red Lobster. No, I genuinely heard there's some really good immigrant food in Indiana. Mm. And you may just not be in the right convos. To know. Maybe not. But maybe I should be that bridge for you. Well, it's like in like Minneapolis or Minnesota, like it's a huge Somalian population. Yes. So like the Somali food is amazing up so there. So what's that in Ohio? Because you know that it's not all just white people. Fishing. Indiana? Or Indiana. Eastern Congo. In, in what's Eastern that? Congo? East <laughs> Yes, a large Eastern Congo population in Evansville, Indiana. Well, I mean, they were just like, what I hear. to Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> no, East Chicago, I think, is like a very big uh, Mexican population. Can you get close to the mic to share this with our <laughs> Okay, so Susanna said that in East Chicago, East Chicago specifically? It's called East Chicago, Indiana. It's in Indiana. Oh! 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 Do you know of this one? <laughs> no, I'm just, that was, that's a multiverse. <laughs> Chicago and Indiana and Mexico? Yeah, I mean, layers on layers on layers. On layers. <laughs> Eastern Chicago? It's called East Chicago, Indiana. Oh, okay, okay. Indiana. Imagine being from there and telling people, what is that? I'm from East Chicago, but I'm from Indiana, but I'm from... Yeah. But I'm from Congo. <laughs> <laughs> might be an editing session <laughs> but it's worth laughing at because that was fucking a funny well Tsum Tsum is great they have, <laughs> their portions are thick like thick as in like a, a, a lady's booty or thick as in like always t-h-i-c-c -C. what thick is that okay thick booty. so can we have this conversation because Thick THICC has really been uh, like regenerated in the like in the in the conversation. Give me what is the distinction? How do we use it? What's the connotation? Give me a sense of. And I, I'm not asking Casey. I'm asking <laughs> Sanam Damsas. Dam Damsas. Right? Damsas. <laughs> Can I ask why you want to hear from me rather than our resident thickspert? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> First of all, let's coin Thixpert as, as a synonymism. That's done. Uh, I think oh that it God. is something that I would rather hear a woman speak to than a man speak to because I think okay, it okay, is okay. Uh, Thick is when it's the right density. It's the right amount of mass. <laughs> okay, I wish we had the this just... video because there's a lot of visuals going with this description. If, if something is deemed thick, it's the right amount of mass. M-A-S-S. Okay, M-A-S-S, you've decided that you're so going to spell that out. So it can be a mass of food. It's a point for us to make. Mass of muscle. Yeah. Okay, it's so. the right amount of. Thick. Yes. So when we say the word, how, does, how is it supposed to land on people? 
like it creates some interest if some if he's it's like hard. Is quick, i'm like damn i gotta go to soon so soon. okay so let me ask you this how does it differ from body part to food okay well what so for <laughs> soon, soon, i want it's juicy i want, I want. <laughs> that's, that is why but can i ask casey juicy can be referred to as a body part as well Exactly. And all body parts are referred to in T-H-I-C-C terms. Yeah, that's why I'm saying, what is the distinction between body part and food? So like a book can be thick. T-H-I-C-K. C-K. But when you're referring... But she's referring to food as T-H-I-C-C. Well, Casey did. And that's why it will be nice for him to elaborate on Oh, okay, fair. Okay, let's pass the baton. That's a fair moment. Well, the food has to be juicy. Juicy. Juicy is the distinction. Juicy is... <laughs> a big part of thick. Okay, I think we need to move on. God. I wonder if this is a part of my conversation because I did not win the dumb truck challenge. Like a, like a salad could not be thick. Exactly. Casey's meal pro vacuum seal meal <laughs> yeah, not thick. thick. Should we do a what is thick and what is yes. not thick yes. list? That's bring, a good idea. We yeah. can bring clarity to that. Let's bring yeah. real clarity Happy to bring clarity. To that. And I don't yeah. know if we if it's appropriate to do it on the on the fly i assume we have to think about this so we're not we would bring in products we yes. would bring in products to show it's a yeah. show and tell it's a show and this tell. will fulfill your dream of having segments uh i it's all i've asked for thick and thick yeah. <laughs> taking a break thick on meter thick or thick <laughs> pull on yeah. pull <laughs> yeah I, I understand now <laughs> ruba how do you define happiness me now just come to the gym and work out with me <laughs> i mean that sincerely uh you know i think every age gives you a different level of like defining for yourself what is happiness i had a happiness definition at 30 i have a different one at 40 i probably will feel differently about happiness at 50 um and and so on so but happiness at 40 is um knowing what you need to survive monetarily feeling safe um and that's different for everybody but happiness is actually limiting that to core needs um uh, having a job that and purpose that provides you real meaning that makes you feel like you're you know sort of contributing to society in a real way and um having community like having people that you depend on and that depend on you and that you can provide, uh, like you feel like you've mattered in their lives and they've mattered in yours. Um, I think it's really simple. And so at 40, I feel like I've hit those markers in what is valuable for me now. Like, and time. Time is more precious than anything else. Touching. Love that. Deep. Thanks. On the opposite end of happiness, What's one of the most challenging things you've gone through in life? I mean, what job, is, am I, what job am I fucking interviewing for right now? The most challenging thing I've gone through in my life? That's a very job-oriented. Yeah. Sorry, what were you going to say? Finish. I mean, not even in a job sector, just what's one of the biggest challenges you've overcome in life? 
You know, I'll say this. I, I think there is a ongoing fear for everybody about people they're going to lose in their life and um, everybody feeling a different relationship to their realizing that you can't control people's health and their mental health, their physical health and um, giving yourself freedom from controlling that. So uh, for me, I think like the biggest challenge is sort of like letting go, letting go of the expectations my parents had for me or continue to have for me, letting go of the expectations I have of friends who, um, you know, in some ways, like I should provide certain things for myself and I don't think I should expect other people to do that for me. And I think that like, you know, friendship should have certain expectations of like, you know, you've put in some time. And as we get older, we start to say like, who do I want in my life and who do I not want in my life? right? And so you put expectations on the people that you keep close. So I think it's a roundabout way of answering this question because to be quite frank, like I haven't had a lot of like devastation. Like I haven't had a lot of like deep hardships, which is why I operate in my life now where I want to serve people and I want to uplift people and I want to support the vision and leadership of people that have experienced that because those are the stories that need to be heard right and so i live as a brown person in this world yeah i'm not white but i haven't experienced the kind of hardships that i would say a lot of brown people and black people have experienced so how do i take that privilege and actually channel that into not having to be centered in the world like, let's center other people. And that doesn't offend me because I've never been centered, but I also don't need to be centered. And in some ways, like white people have always been centered. So it's hard to not center themselves in their own story. And black people have never been centered and they don't know what it is like to be centered. So I live in this weird amorphous space where I feel seen, but I can also see other people. And so what is it to use that power to do that work in this moment? What's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? I was in like sixth grade and we were going around. Wow, and this we came out fast. About, <laughs> I mean, outside, this was not a like, free interview I question. I got my period in fifth grade and I like bled all over the like chair. But that's oh. like, that's everyone's kid's <laughs> rite of passage. Like when you, it's welcome to being a woman. Did you notice world. or did someone else notice first? Oh, I noticed because mm. I was wet and I thought I peed myself and instead I was all red. Oh my God. Fifth grade. I, fifth grade. Okay, but that's not even. Did people I, like make fun of you though? Or? No, because nobody even knew what was going on. We're so young. At right. That age. I mean, it's hard to be a woman. Welcome to that world, people in our gym. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and beyond. This is such a testament to the fact that <laughs> we were never taught geography in California education because we went around in like the sixth grade and we were had to do like state capitals. And I think I was given a state capital and I said like another state as the capital and people laughed at me so fucking hard. And I was like, this is what you should know at this stage in your life. So there was a real shame. It was in Indianapolis. <laughs> just to clear that up. It's literally I the state plus some letters. This is a real full circle for us. <laughs> Casey. What, really, what capital was it? You remember. I don't even remember. I just remember the shame so deeply. Oh. It's so crazy what we remember and what we hold on to that like matter that's really so what that little. question is is like when you think of your life what do you still feel yeah like when you think of that thing it still makes your heart race mm -hmm. and you still feel like a and little... that's why that was the one question that came to me so quickly because because it felt I... embarrassed 
I remember the emotion more than I remember anything else about it. It was like, oh my God, how did I say that? How did I? And then, you know, Casey, do you have a memory that comes to mind real quick? Yeah, I mean, based on how you just described that, I remember I was at a friend's house and we were riding bikes like down this hill at his house and I like hopped on the bike. I was like super confident with it. Then when I went down the hill, I like slammed into this person's car in their driveway and like injured my hand, but I didn't want to tell the friends that I was riding with and it just like kept happening and like you know, it's just like when Wait, you're that... you kept going down that hill and eating shit? <laughs> and just kept eating shit. Well, maybe that's more about you than it is about the truth that Never you giving up. Um, but, <laughs> you know, when you're in whatever that was, fourth grade. Yeah. It seems like such a big deal. Devastating. And it is devastating. Not that I can't get on a bike now. It wasn't that mm. traumatic. But I... I don't like them. Wow. Like when you, I see... you don't ride bikes now, and you live in the most bikeable city because, as Sanam and I know, you live a mile from <laughs> the gym, right? Yeah, but you're never going to see me on a bike, just in general. You'll just see you in your Tesla, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not putting in any effort when I go places. <laughs> I'm not going back to that. You're not going back to the bike. No. It's really raw. When I see cyclists, I just, I want to run them over. <laughs> is the truth but this shit runs deep we have not excavated this yeah i mean it's not a malicious thing no but it is coming out as but a i'm like that'd be thing. kind of funny <laughs> if i looked at sanam's face it looks pretty fucking malicious <laughs> out of all the people in the gym that ride bikes i just never yes! knew that casey felt this way by the way do you think you need to do a disclosure to the people that ride in the bike no i always support their biking yeah but that's fake now because you would no. run them over. I think it's a... You would I, run I them over. I wouldn't run them over because I know them. I'm kidding. You can cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> I wouldn't run them so over. So I was like, next question, next question, baby. <laughs> well, <laughs> skipping ahead. Staying on this topic, though. If you, if you had to kill someone, how would you do it? What the fuck kind of segue is that? Can you, can you guess who created that question? I want to put someone in our gym in no, life. No, okay, I just didn't know how controversial like you were, guys wanted to be. If you were in a situation like the purge, you you know, hundred percent. I mean, but this is easy for me. So, what would be your method? I mean, I would start. Oh, method or who would it be? No, no, not method. who would it be. Method. I don't want to put them on blast. Oh, okay, well, okay. That you're coming uh, for. Them. She's like, oh, that's easy. Who? I got that. I got who and I got how. We'll find out after, but well, because like the who is like. At the end of the day, it's going to be someone that... Um, yeah, don't say the who. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, let's like, go back to meth method, method. Oh, I can't because then, like, the FBI would be on me. Well, let's go back to method. So go back to method. This mystery person. Okay. What would you do? Oh, I would be the... I would do, a, a, like, a poisoning because I'm not a murderer. Yeah. So I Poison would not want to be like... It, I... <laughs> But the setup is the, is the bite. I mean, I it's like the mean. setup so, is. Are you inviting them over for drinks or how? No, I'm not engaging. I'm I'm hiring. So you're out. just. It's a hitman oh, job, girlfriend. Come on, you're going on TaskRabbit. I am TaskRabbit <laughs> the shit out of. If anyone knows me, is this is a, a TaskRabbit. Seventy-five order. an hour, not bad. Yeah, I mean, is that a is that is that a category for murder? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> murder for hire. Yep, you'll see me on there. <laughs> I knew your acting was good, but I didn't know it went into like, you know. 
Poisoning, okay. <laughs> Poisoning, keep it easy. Keep it clean. What are your pet peeves? Mm. So many, that's why I'm saying. Ooh. No, I mean, that's actually a wrong way to say it. And it's a wrong way to, like, actually position single women. Uh, my pet peeves are a lot of self, like, deep detail self-conversation. Like Say that again? <laughs> what? <laughs> what the, what is that? <laughs> you talk Sorry, to yourself? I have never with an answer like that. I have, like, I have a deep pet peeve around narcissism. So I was trying to like actually bring more context to narcissism. <laughs> and narcissism for me is like the sense of like, you know, anybody that starts a conversation where the first 30 minutes are about them and they're like, but I'm so sorry. I haven't heard anything about you. And it's like, you didn't want to hear shit about me, man. You want to, that yeah. kind of lack of knowledge. Mm, that's a and right. For sure. Yeah, because now my pet peeves are way more like, they're just deeper. Like I, I, I don't have people in my life that like have, like, it's not the, like the small things, the small things okay. are like, when you Whatever. said so They're many, idi- I'm thinking like... No, those are idiosyncrasies that used to be pet peeves. Like, I'm like saying, what are personality mm. flaws? So if like that. I were to redirect this conversation and question, it's not pet peeves because, you know, like everybody has their own. If you're a single woman in the world, like you're annoyed by a lot of things. If you're a woman in the world, you're annoyed by a lot of things. Let's be honest. Name a few more. Well, uh, t- uh, lateness. I'm a really prompt person, and so for me, like, someone that's keeping me waiting is, like, a form of narcissism. I just think, like, everything comes back to narcissism for me. It's taking up space. If you take up too much space when you're around people that don't have space, it is really, really, like, a non-starter for me. I love it. Yeah. So I hope I don't do that at the gym. (laughs) I mean, yeah, speak for yourself. <laughs> you're never, you don't know. You don't know. But when you don't set a time, how can you be late? <laughs> you just show up. Well, there's so ways how do we even know? Well, you know, listen, I will hope that, that I live in a world now that I have accountability with the people I'm in community with. And that's part of the love of being in community with people is that they tell you when they feel disrespected. They feel when your boundaries are crossed, when you are like when you are working out of alignment in the relationship. And I would hope that Sanam, MACD, Juan, and they all do in their own ways communicate their needs and that's what a real relationship is is that you're able to communicate your needs and that's received by somebody and that action that reception changes you and your behavior if you want to stay in community with them so i hope that i i receive the feedback i get from the gym in ways that are constructive and that change me for the better at least i'm honest if i can't meet those goals it's very mature well you know at some point we all have to grow up right more annoyances. Yeah. Well, you get annoyed because no, not more, everybody no, more. grows what's, up. What's more? Oh, um, more annoyances. Um, I would say uh, it's really just about people that don't see other people's plights. I just, I, I there's a lack of curiosity. Lack of curiosity, curiosity is a yeah. huge thing for me. And I mm-hmm. see that as something that has made me say goodbye to many friends um, mm-hmm. as we have grown up together like if you just don't have curiosity of what's happening in the world what's happening in your friends lives what's happening 
just as the evolution of like all of us go through this experiment together, like that's just, we're out of alignment. What's going on? Like, How does that conversation go? You're like telling them I what you do recently, for a living and they're I like. I had it recently with a very, very good friend that I've known since I was in elementary school. And Whoa. what I have realized is we spent 24 hours together and I realized, oh my God, we are different human beings. And no judgment into the life she leads, no judgment into my life, but we do not connect anymore. And I think there's something about the radical love that you give someone when you don't want to phone in a relationship anymore and you're like we don't we may come back to each other but i can't show up for you the way that you expect and that is what i articulated to that person after that hangout was like i can't show him. up yeah i said i don't actually think i can show up in the way that you're expecting our friendship to show up given we've been friends for this long because i don't think we have a lot in common anymore and that may change but right now like i don't have the space for that and it was really hard, but it's better than me ghosting her. Quite what, honestly, what she said. Um, she didn't respond, and I give her that freedom to come back to me whenever she needs to. Yeah. And that's okay, but I have to give my truth in that conversation, and that's a part of the freedom of like getting older and like you know, time is finite, is what you realize. You have no time. You have no time. Days go faster. Years go by quickly. Like all of a sudden I'm four years at Esther, Esser's. Mm -hmm. There's just a, I'm sorry, I keep saying the wine bar, but I really mean the gym. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Isn't that the perfect confluence That's, of me? Right, yeah. Um, but there's just a part of like, I just don't want to spend time with people that I don't feel in alignment with. And I think most people should do that more readily because, you know, we should all be in the community with that people of who people, of who gets us. Well, I think that's a good way of going about it because it sounds like the way you phrased it was very, you know, not confrontational in a way. Because sometimes, you know, the whole be like brutally honest with people, but sometimes they're just being dicks. You know what I mean? And it's just their excuse to be even totally. more offensive than they already would be. But in the way that you phrased it, it was very much like, you know, like you said, it's how you can show up. Which I think yeah, is it's a not different in marriages. It. It's not different in dating. Um, you know, you have to be honest with people. And if you can't give of yourself, and if you're on honestly in a place where you're judging someone for their life choices, you're probably not the best person to be in their life in a real way. And uh, if yeah. you're not showing up in that way, that's disingenuous to who you are. I mean, do you guys have? Have you both felt that in your relationship? You're both. You know, listen. This is forty. And you guys are in a different decade, 30. 30 is working out a lot of uh, different types of things. You're both parents, so it makes you get faster to realizations about what you'll spend time on and what you won't spend time on. Have you said goodbye to people in your life? I actually had a very similar experience with a friend recently that I've known since second grade. Whoa. The difference is that we never had that conversation together, unfortunately, but but I had the same feelings that you mentioned. And Why didn't you have the conversation? They're not in a place to have that type of conversation. I am, but I've learned that you can't force those types mm. of conversations. They're vulnerable. They're hard. They're painful. They're uncomfortable. They're not something you have every day. And so, you know, I just put it to the side and... If there's a right time, we'll have it, but... And how I, you show up in the midst of that. 
well, I actually saw them not too long ago in a group setting and because I don't carry this heavy weight around the fact that we're just in different places, I was able to engage with her perfectly fine. But that first initial realization that we're not on the same page is a little bit painful. It totally is. But then is. once you release, you're like, why didn't I do this sooner? I was holding on for dear life just because of the history. Mm-hmm. And the guilt of like not showing up the way that you would normally show up in a friendship relationship because, you know, that's something you're holding to. Right. And it's nice to release yourself of that responsibility. Casey? I challenge more people to really assess Concur. the relationships in their life and really dig into are they serving me? Are we, mm-hmm. are we the right match? You don't have to keep people in your lives mm-hmm. just to keep them in your life just because that's what you've done all these years no i recently had a falling out with my elementary school teacher (laughs) (laughs) i really thought we could get something i know you guys i really thought that was the moment i mean but we know just we know we'll see with the football all over again what's been your worst date i have so many i mean i'm single at this age and i've um Dated a lot. Uh, I think... But there has to be honestly, one that Honestly, I will out. say this. I am a stoner. And so I don't remember a lot. And I know that I've had really bad fucking dates. That I've actually talked about ad nauseum with friends. So... But part of, like, self-protectedness is a short memory span. I actually think part of, like, deep joy is not remembering things. Mm-hmm. People think memory is actually serves you. Memory does not serve you. Memory just lets you hold on to things that you should be holding on to um but i will say like of my recent dating spree spree god i've had so many i mean that's pg no no nc-17 i mean my worst dating experience was like being forced into oral sex Mm. Is he so sorry? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Every girl has an experience of being like guilted or forced into doing something that they don't want to do. And uh, they're staying too long at something. They're staying, uh, you know, they don't. And, and I just think, like, you know, you contribute to that in the way that you are. Um, I, I felt like I could say no. But I didn't because it was a more social thing. It was like, I should be in this place of doing this thing. And um, if I were who I am today, I mean, I would make such a different choice. That's why sex is so enjoyable. Dating is way more enjoyable because I'm able to say, like, I can get up and walk away. Or at 22, I wouldn't have gotten up and walked away Mm -hmm. when I felt disrespected or unsafe or any of those things, right? But today, I just would never give it light yeah never give it air i would never give it life yeah just just and and i'm i would be it would be a teachable moment for me if that was a teachable person like quite honestly i would i would want to i would want to be in a place where it's like that person doesn't actually see this situation with another person as acceptable and so how can i you know change that course of action in the future even though this is not my person i would feel a responsibility to that where i just wouldn't even have that articulation or the maturity at 20. Yeah. But I lost my virginity at 25. So, 
you know, in some ways you, you come in as a whole person into a sexual experience and you also don't have the experience of being sexual. You know, which is honestly shocking since UCSB, you said, was such like a hard I party know, but school. Like, I'm also like, I was not going to do things that I was not into. I was like, I, you have so many people think late blooming is about not being uh, wanted. And a lot of yeah, that is like, you know, you don't get hit on. But like it, in some ways, like part of it was like I never got felt that. But it's also like, you know, knowing what you want that experience to mm. be and being very intentional about that at a young age, whether you could articulate it or not. You know, I don't think I would articulate it at that. But like my relationship to sex is very positive because I was very intentional about when I wanted to have it and how I was going to have it and who I was going to have it with. And I think people in Santa Barbara particularly, and a lot of schools like that, wouldn't necessarily say that they gave themselves that freedom. They made a lot yeah. of decisions that they would do differently today. So, you know, when you have sex is so something that kids get caught up in, but like nobody ever gets caught up in the how that experience, that first defining experience sets up the experience of, mm -hmm. you know, your life about your body and who you see yourself as and how what the relationship with men is so whatever you know at 42 i don't think about 25 as my virginity like story being embarrassing that's why i'm saying it on the podcast yeah <laughs> thank you for sharing that. what's a good date that you've had I've, you know what's what funny that's a great thing? question sanam because i'm not married but i can say that there's been so many great dates oh my gosh sure um, I just think there's a lot of interesting people out there, uh, men and women, um, that I've had really great conversations with. I've had great one night stands with great, great men that make me feel safe and seen. I don't think real dating needs to be a, a, like a means to forever. I think dating can be like really great moments and windows of meeting people and having experiences. And then like you may not see them, but they've defined you in a very specific way that changes your interaction with the next people after that. And that's what I see dating is like, it's just a continuum and it's a continuum to something better. I learn more about myself. I learn more about what I want, what I don't want. And I just am intentional about the process. So I think I've, I've, I've been, I've had great dates as I've gotten older because I'm like, I'm not going to stay in things that are not enjoyable and they don't necessarily have to be my forever people. So yeah. I hope every time I date in my later years are great dates. They just may not be forever. Wisdom. <laughs> Drop it yeah, that, wisdom that's, that's serious us. wisdom. We had a real wisdom segment here. <laughs> that's my Beyonce interlude. Wow, no kidding. So my point is, is like, let people be who they are and within the confines of what is not exploiting other people. And I think we'd have a lot less exploitation if we actually allowed people to uh, uh, seek out the things that excited them in all kinds of ways. Well, it's like the whole thing, right? The more you repress something, mm -hmm. the uglier its head rears eventually absolutely the more people way. like engage in the act when you say don't do it it's just a natural inclination and in more sinister ways and and honestly if you if you just legalized the you know if you legalize some of these industries you'd actually have way more safety precautions for people that are in the industry and they'd be protected so i mean 
I'm not saying you know, we're not we're not breaking news here, but this is all old school. But my my value system around porn, which is an industry that can be very much um, exploited, uh, people can be exploited within, is very much about who are the people that are least likely to be exploited. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the documentary on Netflix about the porn industry? No. Because I, I don't watch it. sad things like that. Right. Well, my friends have educated me that there's a lot of ethical porn platforms. Hundred. By the way, there are. There's a lot of filters to find. Right. People that where it's not super uh, open. The the sort of free flowing, upload your your video and whoever gets as many clicks gets money. Would you ever start an OnlyFans? No, because I'm not, I'm, I'm actually not an exhibitionist. I don't, I'm not online. I don't, I don't, um, I don't feed off of the frenzy of being seen in the digital space. Don't get any value out of that. The only thing I really truly miss is the lack of not knowing what's going on in the social currency. I feel that, but I have no, I'm not that person. I don't need to be. Nobody needs to see my life. However amazing and magical or boring and mundane, I don't need to share it. I feel that so deeply from you. That's really you through and through. Yeah. I love that you see that. No, truly. But I think that's interesting because I think if people were to meet you and like see your exuberant personality, they would assume you would love doing something mm. like that. You know? So I but I think that, that I existed before that existed, right? And yes. if we actually yeah. met people like me, it would just be like, oh, you're just a really personal, what you like people. We wouldn't be like, you'd be, your life would be online. And I actually don't think I project like my life would be online. I just project like I love people and I am excited to pe see people that are, and support people that are on their trajectory, like tr their own personal journeys. All that shit is real, but I don't, I think that one dimensionality of being online and being transactional in that way is soul sucking. Mm. I actually think that doesn't make me feel closer to people. It makes me feel further away from people. And How so? Because it's a it's it's what I'm projecting with no feelings mm. or emotions, right? I'm just projecting like this one dimensional picture of what my life is, and that's not all, the all of it, right? So come to me and be a part of my life to learn what that looks like. I don't need to have you see it through an image, you know? Well, someone finally sat you down for a podcast. Ah, I love, podcast is so different, long form. We don't get that anymore. No. I really appreciate these Rupa thought this was gonna be 20 minutes. How long have we, we gone? Initially talked, it's not a garage band. Well, weird. can we ask our one audience member how bored she is by this conversation? <laughs> Not Sus at all. Susanna's, Susanna's holding it down over there. That's how she looks always. <laughs> That's her general look. <laughs> Bored and yeah, she has resting bored face. It's just wow. who she is. They're besties. Yeah, that's too accurate. I've never heard that. Can before. I ask I you guys that. two questions? Well, I'm you sure. guys didn't answer any of the questions that you were supposed to. No, not all in one episode. And you don't really even touch the members of your gym. What? I mean, that was actually, but can we put that in the tease? <laughs> you don't touch members of your gym. I don't touch people at the gym? What are you talking about? 
in the context of you're not really at the gym, but I used a very uh, sexual assault language. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can definitely use that as a, because that what did come off like I was. Can I put on the AC right now because I'm really hot? Hey. Follow up on. I have something I want to follow up on with, because you have such a mature, positive view and you're super happy not being married with no kids, Mature do you find... sounds like old. I want you, I want you evolved. to... Evolved. Like, okay, fair. Let's evolved. That word. Um, positive view on not being married, not having kids. Do you find that people, like, when you talk with them about that, do they, like... Do you feel like they're thinking something is weird? Because I know that's the stigma. Like, because there's not a lot of people like you that are evolved in that way. Or do you find friends that are also think like you i think it's a freeing vision um to start so i think what i offer is a like something that no matter if you're gen z gen y gen x like you don't that's not a paradigm of like oh you could be a very happy fulfilled woman and not be partnered okay that is very controversial, even in like like young people who are genderless, you know, <laughs> like. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important to amplify that like, there's not a constant seeking that happens. I think there's a lot of pressure when I get asked the question, are, you know, are you dating? You know, and it's it's hard to say, like, I'm not dating, but that's not supposed to be a sad thing. It's not supposed to be something put upon me. Right. Because there's no concept of someone that is just a woman in the world living her life unpartnered. <laughs> you have to just constantly be looking for a partner if mm -hmm. you're unpartnered. Mm -hmm. That just should be the state you're in. So people are always asking you about that state. And I have to have an answer. And it cannot be, I'm just not interested. Because then that sounds all kinds of different things, which is not true, right? There's no word for someone who's completely content as a, as a female. And I gender this because it is not acceptable for women, but it is totally acceptable for men. Totally. So there's no word for it that is like, I'm George Clooney of female. <laughs> or or right. I am Leonardo DiCaprio of female. And I'm not dating in a transactional way because that's just not who I am, you know? And yeah. I can just actually like, what is so interesting is that men always in their life seek out partnership. Women don't. They seek out partnership early because they want to have build a family. But then when that breaks apart, they're like, oh, I don't fucking need to do this ever again. <laughs> and I think the reasoning for that is that like women find who their voice is and their self is unpartnered. Men find their ability to succeed and ascend in life when they are partnered. Mm -hmm. And that story doesn't get told for women, but the story for men gets told a lot. And so I just think we need to tell that story more often. And I'm figuring out how to tell that story at 40 because I think it's really hard to tell that story. I don't have the language for it because it hasn't been created. So I don't know how to be like, but I'm not this, but I'm that, but I'm here, but I'm there. Like, there's a lot of context filling. I can't just be like, I'm single. Mm. <laughs> and have that speak for a choice. 
it has to be something that has to be filled with something else. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything you said was spot on. Like, I hope people see a... themselves in that, like that tension because it's real. Yeah. <laughs> that was truly incredible. And we're going to take that chunk, <laughs> put it on YouTube, <laughs> title it. I am a single woman. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. That's I what I wanted to ask you. Give a, give a voice to so many other women because that was so beautifully said. I'm living my best life and I have to constantly create some story around it mm-hmm. to like I like have people see it. And it's a weird thing. And I actually don't think I've actually articulated it quite honestly mm-hmm. until this moment. Wow. Yeah, I'll be honest. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, for sure. It's a real thing. And I hope there's more people that come out and say that because we don't get modeled that at all as women. Men get modeled what the like bachelor life can be, but women get modeled the most negative side of bachelorettehood. And I'm like, it's not bachelorettehood. It's just being one with yourself. It's like you found, you've built a family and like that can be fulfilling and that's real. And that's like... That's a way to live life, and people don't give it val- validity or voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a theme with you of just not judging whatever your life path yeah. ends up being. That's super right on. And you do yeah, that judgment. professionally and personally. Yeah, you judgment. Li- you live that. Judgment, yeah. I think we're, we're all so, like literally strangled by judgment our own self-judgment and that's like the biggest thing at 40 that I've realized it's like oh my god I've been judging myself about all these choices and like free myself from that because like that's all the stuff that's the stories that have been placed on us right of like what is the right life what's the right path what is success all these things and like what you realize is that like you you have to free yourself of that stranglehold of what that vision is because that's not like what everybody's path is and that's not even a real vision that's something that's some story that was told to us a long time ago and we're all still telling that story to every person that's coming into the world and we need to stop telling that story that's a that's not the story yeah there's a lot of different stories and you guys are going to be telling those stories on this on this podcast I mean, yeah, you're the what you're talking about now is I think why we wanted to do it in the first place <laughs> is to give people like you a voice and show that there's other people like living life on their terms. Totally. And Esther's is like an incredible uh you know, it's like a, the diaspora of all these different uh what LA is, is all these different kinds of people coming in and having experiences. And Esther's is a microcosm of that. And um, it's really interesting to be able to get to know each other in a deeper way. So thanks for providing that opportunity. Well, yeah, I think it'll be interesting for people that don't live in Los Angeles. Like when you think LA gym, you have a certain image of what those people would be like and you're getting ready to hear from people who are not like that at all and like today heard some amazing stories from rupa 
Thanks, Casey and Sanam. I mean, I would not want to tell them to um, anybody else but both of you if I'm going to have a first podcast experience. So I appreciate you both. We didn't want to have any other guests to be our, our first. It was like you a... said about virginity. Who you do your first one with in a certain way matters. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> it sets Full the circle. stage. What a perfect for... punctuation. <laughs> what happens? For, your, for this podcast. Way to wrap it up. Ready to wrap it up. Yeah, I mean, my takeaway is thick spurt. <laughs> in addition to all the wisdom you dropped, that is splicing through my mind. I hear it. I see it. It's just so I visceral. It. Saying it feels so wrong and so right. So wrong and Thick so spirit. right. Go ahead and just add that to your Instagram bio. Yes. Yeah, totally. gym owner, actor, thick spurt. Thick spurt. I think, you know, membership is going to skyrocket. Oh, yeah. You're the number one thick spurt in California? Because right you know thick spurts will then populate across. Oh, I mean, it'll be a thing. You'll start a training program yeah. for yes. thick spurts. Aspiring thick spurts. Thick spurt cert. <laughs> T-shirts will be made. T-shirts will be made for this cert. Mm -hmm. College Mm -hmm. courses. I can can see it all coming alive. We got CEUs coming. (laughs) Minor in thick spray. Minor in thick spray. All right. right. So (laughs) heading into the, now that we're in October, do you have like a big goal for the next year or something that you want to do personally? You know, I just want to make it to three days at Essers. (laughs) You know, sometimes that's... you gotta start small to grow big, and uh, that's where I'm at. Like I have had a very, I think this is, I, I think most of the Essers community will really connect with this sentiment, which is life is opening up again, and all of our lives are being pulled in a lot of different directions, and we have to find our commitment to our own personal self care when we can, and our commitment to being healthy and. That's the struggle, right? But what I said at the, you know, that is sort of really run through my Esther's practice is the idea of coming back to consistency, practice, and being kind to yourself. And so I am going to do that in this process, which is our lives are, we're living in a sort of moving through COVID and post-COVID world, and we are all you know, feeling the tensions of that. So I'm going to try to come back to practice and this community. So thank you for bringing us closer to this community um, all the time and always guilt tripping me with the, um, what is it called? The Essers Weekly, the Essers... Inquirer. 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 Yeah, that's the monthly newsletter that I email out. The call out, the call out, if you will, of when people are disappointing you. And, but it's um, always wrapped within a theme. A theme of hierarchy. <laughs> yeah. It's never, you're not training enough. <laughs> but you are not the best if you wanted to know who is the best. Correct. Correct. It's never do your best, it's do my best. <laughs> so true. As it always is. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a great goal. I mean, we're very much habits-based, so. So true. Three times a week. Yeah. Let's make it happen for 2023. Correct. Let's do it. Because three times a week. Yeah. You oh. got it. I got it. You know. I know it. I get. I get You're it. You're just stuck. I get it. <laughs> 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 Muted reaction. 
I don't even know what you're trying to say right now, but I'm moving 2023? Oh, three, three times, times a week. Three times a week, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like not that ingenious. Like, I thought you were trying to land something really smart. Like I mean, a real, like, idiom. Or like a real, like, this is our calling card. And it was just like 2023, three times a week. It's Look, it's a meal pro mind versus a pizza and pop. <laughs> That's that's Pizza Wallace gunk up here. <laughs> it's not true. Well, I like my life better. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you have anything else you want to ask, Rupa? I'm I'm really processing everything you said, so I'm gonna leave it at that. That was a great, great life story we heard there. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. That wraps up episode one in the books. Woo. So we'll be back, I don't want to say next week. Well, this episode is not going to drop next week, so it doesn't even matter. Because <laughs> we're going to drop like to five to ten episodes at once. But, you know, this will continue to get better. It'll continue to flow. And it, it will. It will. Right now, we have a support sheet we're working off of. And, you know, we will eventually become professional podcasters. And Susanna will be on soon. You gotta tease the next episode, which is. So the next guest is who my pick was to win the dump truck challenge for the summer of 2022. Okay. Did she? You'll find out. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great tease.